This is Clayton for Podcast Radio Business. We're joined by Jonathan Watts-Lay, co-founder and director at Wealth at Work, a leading financial well-being and retirement specialist to discuss how the workplace can ease the cost of living crisis. Thank you for joining us, Jonathan. Hi, Clayton. There's a lot of discussion around financial literacy. I mean, some people um, who are listening may understand what it means, but other people not so sure. So what does it all mean? Yeah, financial literacy really is a, is a term around how confident people are on dealing with their finances. So I guess you could say it's, it's how financially savvy are people, um, particularly given the environment we've got right now where people are clearly struggling because of the cost of living crisis and inflation, uh, energy prices, etc. So it's are people well equipped to deal with those issues and know how to manage financially their weekly or, or their monthly budget. Um, and of course, we know the backdrop is that actually often people struggle to manage finances. Often they, they will bury their heads in the, in the sand, particularly when it comes to things like debt, which clearly could spiral out of control. So the research that, that Wealth at Work's done has been trying to understand that issue. And it's interesting that, that about 59% of employers who responded to, to our study said that they were concerned about financial literacy within their, within their workforce. Financial literacy is not a new thing but why is it so important now i think really it's been building for quite a long time we could really go back to the financial crisis of 2008 where of course a lot of people struggled a lot of people lost their jobs back then uh, a lot of people were not getting pay rises and if you fast forward from 2008 to today actually some of those things still remain and in fact they they've remained throughout those years particularly because of course we've had a pandemic in the, in the middle of it so we've seen other periods where there's been job losses we're now in a period of of high inflation and clearly employers are struggling to to give pay rises that match let alone exceed the inflation right so this is why it is coming to the forefront again uh, uh, the research that we did showed that that actually a, a small number of employees have actually dealt with financial well-being so have actually very few have put in programs to help their employees but uh, a quite a staggering 70% said that they 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 were concerned about it and they would be looking to put programs in place to help employees over the next 2 years so it's it's clearly something of the moment because they realize that employees are struggling financially were you surprised that so many employers rated their ability to help employees with financial matters and they rated themselves as poor were you surprised at that in a way I'm not surprised because I think that, that the problem with financial matters is, is of course, the um, the employer themselves. Uh, you know, they need to they need to have financial knowledge, and of course, a lot of people in those companies will not have financial knowledge. So it's very hard for them to help their employees. So those that have put programs in place, they're effectively outsourced that to organisations that have the financial expertise that can that can help their employees. But of course, as soon as you outsource, then that costs money. So I think that's why it's it's taken until now, really, for organisations to actually think this this is this is material to us because if we've got employees that are getting into financial trouble, then that's going to impact productivity. It's going to impact absenteeism. Um, there's lots of studies out there uh, that have been produced over the years that shows the link between. Uh, poor financial health and poor mental health, for, for, for example. And I think the other key thing is that a lot of organisations have been trying to put in place broader wellbeing strategies over recent years. And actually, they've done really well at putting in uh, mental health strategies and uh, physical health strategies. And I think now 
they've realized that financial health is is if you like the third pillar of that overarching well-being strategy that they need to put into place but do you think that financial wealth also leads to better physical and mental health yeah again there is research out there various studies that have been done that, that have shown that if, if people effectively are not worrying about money or that worry isn't all encompassing then that will actually help them in terms of their mental health so yeah the two are ultimately linked and it's very easy for people to get into a downward spiral where they believe that financially they can't cope and of course if they get into that downward spiral then it's unsurprising that that will have uh, an impact on mental health and of course physical health again not my area of expertise but i would imagine that that physical health you know if people are, are in a good state of mind they're more likely to to maintain good physical health as well the, the rewards are great for employers that they can see the general good health of their staff you know 85 percent get the benefit from there creating equity and fairness 69 percent also inclusivity for low earners 32 percent and dependents 38 percent these uh, are not figures to be sort of ignored they're they're really quite helpful in doing so you mentioned their inclusivity so i think that's that's another big area where we're seeing that organizations want to deal with this because it used to be the case that often the higher earners would be the people that would get the help. Often financial advice may be put in place for them or that they'd have certain benefits like executive share schemes, which of course the rest of the employee base wouldn't have. But we are seeing a move to much more inclusiveness now. So that means inclusiveness in the sense that no matter where you are on the earnings curve, that you may need help. And I mean, we see this in the in the media all the time at the moment, don't we? That it's it's not it's not just the people um, that are on, if you like, minimum wage or maybe a, a, a bit above that needs help, but actually middle income earners also need help now because of the backdrop of, of inflation, um, pay rises that won't keep pace with that so that leads to organizations saying we do need to be inclusive we need to help everybody or at least make sure that there is there are resources available within the organization that employees can call upon we discussed a bit earlier in our conversation talking about debt i mean that's the spectra that looms heavily over employers and employees that education is a very difficult thing for people to get access to but ultimately employees carrying a large amount of debt and carrying uh, those problems around and don't necessarily make for an effective and productive workforce yeah absolutely and it's getting people to understand getting employees to understand the different types of debt and and the cost of those different types of debt we often refer to good debt and bad debt so a good form of debt would be, for example, a mortgage, because whilst it's debt, very few people are fortunate enough to be able to go and buy a house without having having a mortgage. So clearly there is nothing wrong with ha having mortgage debt. Now, clearly they need to shop around and make sure they're always getting the best rate they can. And, and clearly that's going to become quite difficult uh, now with interest rates going up. But clearly a mortgage debt is, is not a bad thing within itself. Whereas if you look at other forms of debt, so you may look at payday loans, you may, may look at credit cards, not only are the interest rates much, much higher on those types of debt, but if you're not paying them off, the compounding effect can just spiral out of control. So somebody who actually thought they had everything under, under control 
within a few months, actually, it can get out of control. And we're seeing other forms of, of debt come into the workplace now as well, which needs uh, careful consideration. So one of those types of debt is salary advances. Mm. So the whole notion here is, is that you, you get your salary earlier in the month than you ordinarily would do. Now, clearly, that is that can be a good thing if, for example, you want to get your salary earlier or part of your salary earlier because your car's broken down you need to fix the car. If you don't fix the car, then you can't get to work. Therefore, you can't earn any money. So, so you can put an argument together to say, well, that that seems like a good uh, reason for using that sort of facility, given given that situation. But what we're already seeing is that people are using these salary advances not not for a one off when the car breaks down, but they're using them every single month. And of course, there are fees and charges attached to these salary ad- ad- advances. So basically what it means is, is that they're going to make their situation even worse because if they're using it month in, month out, then effectively they're just reducing their income every every month. Mm. So this whole area of debt in its various forms, people need to understand. It's a massive growth area where we're seeing now more employers wanting to put in that financial education to make sure employees understand what they're getting into we mentioned employers a bit earlier on so but they're going to say oh i'm an employer i'm under pressure with that said can employers do more to help yeah they can and there are actually free resources out there so for example there's money helper which is a a government sponsored website where they have loads of tools Uh, there's there's also things like pension wise again it's government sponsored for those people that are coming up to, to to retirement so there is some free stuff that people can access out there but even if they want something that's slightly more tailored to their employee base they can do it at quite a quite a low cost so it is actually easier now to go out to organizations like like wealth at work and you know we're not the only one there's lots lots of organizations out there who can put a program together based on the profile of your workforce so taking into account things like what what is the earnings curve do you have a lot of people that are on minimum wage or, or are, are people higher earners can look at actually what is the methodology by which we we can educate these people and that often goes back to the working environment so are they working from home are they working in an office are they working on a manufacturing line are they a salesperson that are on on the road fundamentally all the time and then looking at you know whether it's video or animation or webinars or webcast or financial guidance helpline so lots of different mechanisms that they can then access to help those employees what else does a financial well-being strategy typically involve so high level i'd break it down into to three areas so financial education financial guidance and financial advice so if we just have a quick look at those three financial education is really around thinking about what are the subjects that that you want to communicate so a lot of organizations will say well we want to cover the benefits that we offer as an organization so we will want to talk about pensions they may have lots of insurances and health cover they may offer Discount vouchers, again, quite common now to offer discount vouchers and you know, 5% off your weekly shop at Sainsbury's or wherever it may be. So taking those sorts of things and making that part of the program. Now, often they will segment down. So, you know, you think of something like pensions. Well, clearly, if you're talking to someone who's 25, then that's all about saving and, and how it will compound up over the years. Whereas if you're talking to someone who's 55 or 60, then it may be much more about actually how big is your pot? Can you afford to retire or not, not retire? 
So those are all the sort of educational things or examples of educational things that may be covered. Again, they could be delivered in a, in a range of ways, whether that be live webinar or animations or whatever it be. If you look at the second one, financial guidance, that's much more about somebody having a, a one-to-one chat. So again, it can cover a range of different subjects, but uh, normally it's done by telephone or, or maybe a video call uh, where you can just have 15, 20 minutes talking through financial issues or concerns you may have. And then the third one is regulated financial advice. So this is really where somebody is to sit down with a regulated advisor and go through their personal situation for that advisor to understand what their objectives are, what they're trying to achieve, and then coming up with a recommendation for them. Um, but the best way to think about those three elements is as a, effectively an inverted pyramid. So you know most people need financial education. So that first one, most people need it. They might, you know, Certain subjects are going to be more relevant to, to some than others, but they all, they all need it generically. Some of those people will then want to have a chat with someone through guidance, and then a subset of those people may want regulated advice. So you've given us a great starting point in terms of how the workplace can ease the cost of living crisis. Where can businesses go for information? They can certainly go to our website, so wealthatwork.co.uk. Um, they will find lots of information on there, lots of resources, research on there as well. Organisations can have a look at that. It's also worth looking at some of the government sites as well. So looking at, for example, moneyhelper.org, uh, because they do have it useful information and tools on there that, that some organisations may find helpful. I think it's also being aware of other organisations that might be able to help their employees if they have specific areas of concern. So organisations, for example, like the Citizens Advice Bureau, there's charities such as Step Change that are, that's a specialist debt charity. So again, if employees are, are really in, in financial trouble, that might be a, a useful resource to, to know and, and understand. Jonathan Watts-Lay, co-founder and director at Wealth at Work, Thank you for joining us on Podcast Radio Business. Great. Thanks, Clayton. You're most welcome.